Welcome to Funding the Dream, a Game Whisper podcast for Kickstarters. I am Richard Bliss, your host, and tonight I am joined by two of my favorite people when it comes to board games and Kickstarter, and that is uh, Dice Hate Me and Monkey238. Monkey, did I get that right? (laughs) Yes. Sweet! I got it right. (laughs) I can never remember the number. We actually have real names too. Really? Oh, you want yeah. real? I don't think that people know your real names. What are your real names? <laughs> what are your real names? I'm Chris, and I'm Sherilyn. There you go. So now everybody knows. You heard it first here on Funding the Dream. <laughs> Monkey two three eight and Dice Hate Me actually have real names. Uh, Chris and Sherilyn are great. You guys had uh, your game, your excuse me, your Kickstarter project uh, Carnival, which was extremely successful, and for a while was on the top ten list. Yes. Is it still For a there? little while. Is it still there? It's not. No. We're like 16, 17 now. I mean, it's just been That's insane. okay, though. That's fine. I mean, we, we had our day in the sun, and we have a lot of great backers, so that's all we're, we really care about. That's we're, right. And it was fun to be up there because you'll always be able to – was a top 10 uh, Kickstarter board game uh, of the year. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, always put that. Hey, this uh, we've got uh, about 20 minutes to talk, so let's talk about – Uh, Chris, uh, let's talk about the year of the independent, as you call it. Um, You guys have covered a lot of uh, Kickstarter on your podcast, and and you were successful with it. But we're going to talk about this term you've coined, the year of the independent. Why don't you tell us what you mean by that, and what do you think that's – where's that going? Well, um, last year – I mean, we're wrapping up, and we're doing our Game of the Year list on DiceHateMe.com right now. And last year at this time, I pretty much said that uh, I was was thinking – basically kickstarter.com and the game crafter at that time for ushering in sort of independent games. Little did I know how 2011 was going to turn out. And 2011 just went insane. The gangbusters. I mean, starting from the beginning of the year and through the spring where board game projects started trickling in. I mean, as you know, you covered it and, and, uh, researched it like crazy, but this past year has seen, uh, so many projects come out on Kickstarter. I mean, leading all the way up to the last big, huge one, D-Day Dice, which is just unbelievable. But just from us getting involved with Carnival, but from the beginning of the year when I was still covering it, from an outsider's perspective, the, the, there was a geek list on Board Game Geek that pretty much shows like active Kickstarter projects. Well, just from the time we put Carnival on there, the list grew I mean, it was just amazing. It, it grew like from, let's say, 15 to 20 into like 80 or 90 projects. Maybe not that many, but about 70 active projects at one time when they yeah, were dropping there, off. Yeah, there's about 70. That's about right. Yeah. So the the way it feels like the year of independent is not only Kickstarter, but also I've I kind of coined that term because companies that have been funded in previous projects by Kickstarter, like, for instance, Tasty Mistral Games, who you had on the last podcast, and – you know, Belfort, and it's not going to be a surprise by the time people hear this, but Belfort is the Dice Hate Me Game of the Year for 2011. It was not funded on Kickstarter. However, part of the printing and shipping for that was paid for through um, funds gathered from in a domain and sales of other Tasty Menstrual products beforehand. Right. They've had success. Obviously, their first the mega one was uh, Eminent Domain, which sat at number one for quite a while, but that was only at 40000 and now it's down to number eight. Yeah, and yeah. then their other game was that just came out, Kings of Air and Steam, which Correct. barely creeped into the top ten by raising forty six thousand dollars. Right. Yeah. So yeah, and then uh, what about um, Clever Mojo games? Right. Yeah. Oh, well, Clever Mojo. I mean, they had a great year as well. I mean, with Alien Frontiers Factions again, well deserved with the placement they have because I mean, I, I was part of the playtest team for that. A really great game, but they're continuing to build steam. 
um, based on their independent model of going through Kickstarter and using those funds to print and then going back to hopefully make enough money to print again. And, and with Sunrise City, um, again, we're able to fund a, a large portion of the, of the publishing for that. But it's the only way that some of these independent companies are able to do so. And I've seen great success this year, which is why I feel like it's the year of the independent, because the people who have paved the way for the new independents to come in and use Kickstarter, Tasty Minister and Clever Mojo Games, um, have now proven that they can put out quality product by using that model. And therefore, we can hopefully look for even greater gaming in 2012. Like, for instance, you know, again, when we see D-Day Dice come out and hopefully, you know, right at the end of this year, we've, we've got Carnival. Carnival's being delivered right now as we speak. And we Woo-hoo! hope that. Yeah, exactly. It's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> but I gonna, um, I'm going to see my copy then. It's going to come. I hope so. All yeah, right. you should have it very, very soon. So we're hoping that you know people will like Carnival and continue to want to see us produce things as well. And when we we start with Viva Jaw in January, we want to use the same model. So 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 let's talk. You've mentioned we've mentioned Clo- Cle- Clever Mojo Games. We've mentioned uh, Tasty Minstrel Games, but Dice Hate Me Games falls right into that category as well, right? Yes, I mean not not as big yet, but we're you know we're working on it. You know. So is uh, uh, is Viva Java coming out as a Kickstarter project? Viva Java will be a Kickstarter project. The the goal right now is to have uh, principal production for the game wrapped up by mid-January and a Kickstarter uh, project launched by mid-January as well. So we'll have things printer-ready, um, but Viva Java is not going to have um, enough cash to go to the printers without the help of Kickstarter backers. Got so it. that's what we want to go there and, 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 you know, see not only test and see what the reaction is, is going to be with Viva Java, but also to help us fund that printing. Perfect. And so now this is your second go with this. Uh, do you go in with, uh, is the enthusiasm? I've had guests on my show who have said that if they realized, you know, if they suddenly had forty, fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 drop into their bank account, that they'd just be scared to death. Uh, there, was some, <laughs> there was some trepidation there the first time around. Are you, what are you feeling the second time going in? Well, I mean, yeah, I'm a little trepidatious about it because because of certain aspects of Kickstarter. You have to be so reactionary. You have to be so tactical in what you do and, and make sure that you're addressing concerns or answering questions, um, coming up with, uh, I guess now people are expecting stretch wards and things like that. Uh, I feel like that we're going into it this time with um, – we were, we were prepared with Carnival, but, of course, there were just things we just were not prepared for. This time around, I feel like – there are certain things that we can do and certain goals that we can set that we can be fully prepared for and not really overreach boundaries in certain ways we did with Carnival. Like, for instance, um, T-shirts. So, I mean, T-shirts as an example, as in good or bad? Bad. Uh, <laughs> not, no, a, not a good idea. Not it's, a good idea. All right. No more T-shirts. Yeah, no more T-shirts. All right. So let's talk about then 2012. What are we seeing going to happen in 2012? Okay, uh, not talking about Dice Hate Me now, but the independent, right? The year of the independent. Right. What, when you say year of the independent, was that 2011 or is that 2012? I consider it 2011 simply because uh, it was really the year that the independent sort of exploded onto the scene. Um, there were plenty of independent publishers, and, and in the past there have been many independent publishers. And when I say independents, I basically – consider a, an independent a company that only has 
a handful. One or two, two or three. Yeah, one or two, two or three um, proven uh, games in the marketplace. Um, they're not large companies that are producing uh, large, like, for instance, Fantasy Flight Games, far from being independent. Um, right. So many yeah. products being come, you know, put out. So Mayfair, some of the smaller Mayfair, companies. right. Mayfair Games would be considered a, a, a frontline game. Right, company. Rio Grande. Rio yeah. Grande, right. So you're talking about just these little onesie-twosie guys that are exactly. kind of sitting at home, although it's interesting because Z-Man Games had all those games, or even Rio Grande, and they pretty much are just one-man shows. It's true. That's true. But, so there, there, there probably yeah. needs to be a, a clear delineation between all of them. But, again, they have a large catalog. So True. True. So, yeah. so uh, 2011 is the year of the independent. We see all these game companies, uh, these little independents pop up. Now, it, some of these people uh, came out with successful Kickstarter projects who aren't, didn't start game companies. Right? I mean, yeah, there's, there's some out there yeah. just wanted to come out with the game. Uh, I know that there's some out there right now who they're just interested in the game getting out there. Um, if I, think about this. If I'm a Kickstarter backer and somebody comes and tells me, okay, we're doing this Kickstarter project and then we're not going to sell the game in stores or online. This is it. Kickstarter's it. Do you back a project like that? Wow. I mean, that's a really good question. Sherilyn, what do you think? Oh, is, you, is I know it is. I've oh, never what? backed a single project. Oh, that's true. She's never backed a project. <laughs> I don't have the money to back a project, so it's oh. not well, a she, thought process I've gone through. <laughs> but you have told me, hey, that looks really cool. Are you backing it? Which means, are we backing it? So. <laughs> and, but the question is, would you back something that had no future? No company, no follow-on expansions, no, it's not, it's going to, maybe I'll back it, but if not, I'll just see it on the game stores and I'll buy it there. This is a, somebody comes up and says, no, I just want to put my game out there and I don't want it to be a company because I have a full-time job. I'm just, put, I'm just putting a game out there. Do you back that? Are you interested in buying a one-off, a unique, never going to be re, uh, repeated game? Hello? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I don't know. I mean, this is going to stray away from the fact that this is a Kickstarter podcast, because I think if somebody wanted to just get their game printed, it would be wiser to use a service like Game Crafter, where they didn't have to put any upfront capital at all into yeah, that's into good. their project. I mean, to me, the Game Crafter is, I mean, I, I personally have some quality control issues with the Game Crafter, but I think what the service that they're trying to provide is is worthy. So tell, um, tell, let's explain to our listeners what and who and how the Game Crafter is. Explain to what that well, is. Well, it's a print-on-demand service. So as Lulu is to books, um, the Game Crafter is to games. So really anybody can design using the growing library of components that the Game Crafter offers. Um, they kind of have standard size cards and boxes and you know, resources and poker chips and winks. I mean, they, their their library is expanding, um, and anything that they offer there, you can design. Just a mix, game. It, just mix and match, right? Go online, put it all together. Okay, I need this and this. Exactly. And this. Slow, throw it yeah. together and poof. Right, and you don't you don't pay a thing. I mean, if you you publish your game on their site, and if someone wants, and you set a price, and if someone wants to buy it. They buy it, and it's printed on demand. Do they so do you uh, don't have cards, as, cards as well? Yes. Cards and boards. They have board game. I mean, they have um, So if you had a card game, game if you had a card game only, 
You mm-hmm. could just throw it yep. up there, and then they'd, just, they'd print it out, and anytime anybody yep. bought it, no. Oh. Yep, exactly. Yeah. That's how we yeah. actually did our prototype for Carnival because our our art did have so much, you know, color even in the prototype that it just wasn't. It was cost prohibitive for us to buy, honestly, that amount of ink and and so, wear out our printer for you know a one hundred and ten card deck. Right. So you just went out there, uploaded all the artwork and everything. Yep. And, and then did a print on demand. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So you're saying that if somebody does a game, a Kickstarter, and they just don't want to do it once, uh, they might as well do it that way because... That- Possibly. I mean, because for the, if they're going to print through a large manufacturer, like, you know, one of the, the big boys of, of board gaming, they're going to have to order significant quantities to even turn a profit. Right. And so, I, I, you know, so you're looking at one to two, maybe 3,000 units... And yeah. if, yes. you, if you have 200 or 300 backers, 90% of your inventory is now sitting in your garage. Exactly. Yes. And if you have agreed not to sell it in a store or anything like that, then you're just stuck. And it wouldn't surprise me if some, I, you know, I don't follow every single board game project on Kickstarter, but it wouldn't surprise me for the people who do have lower quantities of um, games that they need to produce that they might be doing it through the Game Crafter. It's true, uh, yeah. Oh, good point. And I do know uh, that I do follow almost all the games on there with my Purple Pond uh, column. That is, I do also know that, that several have published their games and do have a couple of thousand units now sitting in their garage. Uh, oh, wow, yeah. But, but here's the thing. They're paid for, right? Well, yeah. I mean, well, mostly. Uh, I mean, again, some of the projects, as you know, that put a certain funding amount, honestly, they don't put enough funding or get enough funding to do a proper press run of a game. You know, if somebody on Kickstarter is putting a four or $5,000 goal on there now, granted, we did it for Carnival, but we also had supplemental money that we had saved up that we could have supplemented uh, the printing with. But somebody who does a four or $5,000 goal and wants to produce 2000 print run of anything more than just a 54-card deck is going to be running into issues with having enough capital to cover that entire print run. Got it. So even though Kickstarter technically isn't a, uh, a place that, you would nor- that you're allowed to start a business, they won't fund a business, uh, what you're saying, and uh, having met and talked personally with Kickstarter as well, they're also saying that it becomes really a launching pad for your business. Yes. Right? I mean, I mean yeah. Because on the board game side, like you just said, it doesn't make sense to produce a board game and only have 100 backers and get 100 copies and then have 2,900 copies in your in your garage that you're handing out at garage sales. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, we had, at the beginning, before we really knew what the outcome was going to be, and I think we've mentioned this to you before, that we were really hoping to have 200 backers. We were like, if we could sell, you know, 200 copies of this game, that would be fantastic. But I don't think we really had thought it out. I mean, luckily, we didn't have to go that route. But, I mean, I don't really know what we would have done. You know, if we had ordered only 500 copies of the game, our cost per unit would have been, you know. Astronomical. Yeah. Astronomical. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Exactly. It, we had banked on it. we had banked on at least a thousand print run. We had talked about as low as five hundred, but wanted to do a thousand print run because we did want to see the game in stores. We did want to distribute. And how many? Um, half, yeah, and how many did you end up printing? Two thousand. Two thousand because of the yeah. overall success. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we've sold uh, just with the backers and the pre-orders and everything like that. We've sold over a thousand. Over a thousand. Not bad. 
Yeah. Yeah, we're pretty we'll happy with that. <laughs> Not bad. Hey, we'll, we'll count that as a success. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's fine. It's paid for. Um, and the money right now is going, it is all gone directly to Dice Hate Me Games. Uh, some of it will be used for supplemental for prototypes and also for Viva Java printing. But of course, Viva Java's uh, production cost is going to be three to four times as much as Carnival. So, okay. yeah, it's going to be a very expensive press run. So I want to bump the numbers up on that so that I can get economies of scale and, and knock the production cost down a little bit. Well, we're down to about two, uh, two or three minutes left here. Okay. Like I said, my podcasts go a lot faster than yours do. <laughs> yeah, uh, you sure does. You just run out of time real fast. So uh, as we move into 2012 and these independents, are we going to see? Um, are we going to see what Clever Mojo de- did? And that is, they had two Kickstarter projects simultaneously. Um, you guys have experience with this. If you're looking at 2012 and you're thinking about coming out some, with some games, is it insane to think about doing two Kickstarter projects at the same time as, as a single person, or should you just kind of spread that out? What's your opinion on that? Well, our plan is to spread them out because Viva Java will, you know, as Chris mentioned, the campaign will start in January. And then our next release after that, which we're working on the prototype now, is Take the Bait. And we plan to release that probably, you know, in June, around July, yeah, July yeah. August, kind of like what we did for Carnival. Um, personally, I don't think our household could maintain two Kickstarter projects at the same time because it... It really is a lot of work. and Yeah, I'm amazed that David was able to pull it off. Well, and, yeah. and he did $100,000 between the two of them, right? I mean, it wasn't just pull it off. He, uh, it was spe- spectacularly successful to have two projects on the top ten list at the mm-hmm. same time. Uh, that was, uh, that was quite, quite well. Are we going to get diluted? This is what I get asked all the time. I have my own opinion, and we've talked about that. Are we going to get diluted? We've got 70 game projects out there, depending on how you count. Uh, I've stopped counting uh, decks of cards. <laughs> I just count those as artwork now. Um, are we going to have <laughs> – well, I mean, it's not a game, right? It's just people are just it's slapping – It's true. It's just decks of cards. Yeah, I don't even count those anymore. Uh, <laughs> true. As we move into 2012, my prediction, predictions have been $3 million of rev, uh, Kickstarter success. I might have to ramp that up because, uh, as you guys know, December has already done $500,000 worth of funding on Kickstarter, and the whole yeah. year is probably coming in just shy of $2 million. Are we going to see just – are we going to see – hundreds on Kickstarter? And is that just going to, is there really a competition for Kickstarter dollars? Or are we talking about something totally different here? I mean, personally, again, I'm no analyst, but I think that there's going to be an equilibrium uh, reached at some point. I mean, it's going to be, Kickstarter is going to be like any other place where someone's going to come in and their BS meter is either going to go off or they're going to be interested in, in and want to invest in something. It's going to become a place where there will still be um, room for a, a true independent or a startup to get started and, and get, garner people's attentions. But it is going to be a little harder for some of the people who are not as prepared to really reach out and, and get an audience. So anybody who's going on Kickstarter is going to have to be ultra-prepared, of course, listen to uh, the State of Games and Funny the Dream, both, so they can be uh, as prepared as absolutely possible. But I I don't know that we're going to be diluted as such because I, I really feel like board games, I mean, yes, somebody can have an idea and they can throw the idea out there, but for the most part, the production of a board game and the concept and playtesting of a board game takes so long that... Uh, and is so involved that there's only so many board games that can actually put out in a year. 
I don't think it's like a, an app, honestly. Like, you know, there, there are thousands of apps out there right now. And, and I've got a, I work with a guy now who over the Christmas break is basically going to build an app and he can do it and he right. can do it well right. within a, you know, two week span. I mean, board games are just not like that. And then an app has an indefinite shelf life. It doesn't go stale. It doesn't run out of stock, right? It stays up there forever. So uh, yes. the long tail on that is, is quite extensive. Okay. Well, that's good. Uh, that's uh, interesting. Uh, predictions? You think, how, how big do you think the, the Kickstarter project, uh, game projects will be in 2012? What's your prediction? Oh, wow. You mean quantity or? Either one. Money. Either you one. take that one, Sherilyn. You're oh the money gosh. person. No, but I have no idea about the money. You said two million this year. We did a, just shy of two million. That's right. Um, I actually wouldn't go higher than the three million that you said, based upon. I mean, you're. You I'm, said I'm you might writing, I'm writing that. that down. I'm writing that down. Hang on. All right. So Sherilyn <laughs> says three million. Okay. Yeah, because I don't. As Chris just said, I mean, only so many board games can come out at a time. But granted, there people put out board games at different stages of their development, you know? So some people don't even have artwork, and that's what they're putting their Kickstarter project right. up as. Rather than the whole project, right. Rather than the whole project, they're starting to, to break it up into components. And, and, I'm yeah. starting to, and people are starting to, for example, there's a Kickstarter project that's uh, getting ready to go that uh, is like an open source of artwork uh, because that's a, a big challenge. So people are looking to put out just artwork so that other people can use for their games. Uh, it's going to be interesting as this whole ecosystem develops, as pieces start to fit together, as people find, hey, I can fund just this piece, or like you said, ga uh, Game Crafter, that can do, hey, I need prototypes. Well, G Game Crafter's already out there. You can pop out some prototypes. Okay, I need artwork. Well, you can do a Kickstarter project for artwork or whatever. Right. And, and, and I'm seeing more and more uh, Kickstarter projects for, hey, I'm going to a con, a convention. Would you fund that? Or I've got a... Uh, actually, Kickstarter recommended to me that I do a Kickstarter project for my podcast. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I can't figure out why or how. <laughs> what would I, so a hundred bucks. All right. That'll, you know, it's costing me, I guess, a little bit of money to, uh, to host this on the web and stuff. I guess I could do it for like a hundred dollars, but I'm not sure what people would be willing to pay and why, although I've seen some other podcasts that have raised uh, tens of thousands of dollars, but that's because they were all previous content and they were funny people. And I'm not particularly funny. I'm just, I'm just a talker. So, <laughs> so we'll have to see. Well, we're, we're out of time. Okay. I want to I thank Chris and Sherilyn, that's Dice Hate Me and Monkey238, for joining me on Funding the Dream. Will you guys come back and let's do this again? Yeah, absolutely. It's I mean, my, the, you know, it's 20 my, minutes, boom. It's my turn to come back and be on uh, State of the Games, uh, which you can find on the Dice Hate Me website. So uh, we'll have to switch, switch back and forth here. Absolutely. People loved the podcast when you were the guest on there. They got a lot out of it, uh, got a lot of great feedback. So, yeah, absolutely. We had, we had a great time, and I'm sure we'll get the same feedback from this one. Uh, mine are a lot shorter but uh, full of good stuff. You guys have been great. I appreciate it. You have been listening to Funding the Dream, a Game Whisperer podcast for Kickstarters. I'm Richard Bliss, your host. Thank you for listening, and take care. <laughs>